Good evening, everyone. My name's Danny, and I'm the campus pastor here at Mosaic at WW. For all of you who are tuning in online or here in person, so good that you guys are here tonight tuning in because uh, tonight we are taking a one-week pause from our series through the book of Ephesians because every year we have an annual rhythm where we take a Sunday and we focus on one way that we as a church enter into the global story of what God is doing, um, both in, uh, in spirit, financially, and through sending people out. And tonight we're highlighting one of those spaces that we enter into, which is the space of what is called church planting. Now, if you've never heard of church planting, it is a phrase that is used uh, to essentially be, mean it is the creation of brand new biblical communities, extensions of the church that are created in spaces where there is a desperate need for new gospel communities to exist. And it's beautiful. And in fact, tonight, I'm super excited because we're going to be welcoming up in a few minutes uh, my friend Mello, who's going to be speaking uh, the truth of God's word tonight into our hearts and our minds. Before we get there, I want to unpack a little bit of why church planting matters. Why should we even talk about it in this context? And the reason is, for me, is because it is so vitally important that we are creating new safe spaces for people to come and experience the gospel. Now, I was raised in a church. Um, the church I was raised in uh, was a little over 100 years old um, at the time of my birth. And, uh, and, and not that that is good or bad. It just was what it was, but it came with a lot of traditions. And the one thing that was definitely rel- um, present there was I never felt safe to be myself in that space. Like if I was true, if, if they really got to know the real Danny, then at the very least, they're just gonna give me some funny looks. But the very worst they wouldn't want to be my friends. They wouldn't want to talk to me anymore. And that was hard for me because I wanted to be authentic. I wanted to be honest, but I knew that if I was, I was going to get rejected. Or at least I feared that. So I never felt like that was a safe place for me. And then I moved here about seven years ago. And when I moved here, I became a part of the community of Mosaic at WDW. And all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I found a biblical community where I could be authentic, where I knew I could be myself in spaces like discipleship groups, in spaces like community. I could go and actually engage in being known by others and know that what they were going to do is they weren't just going to look and like, I'd confess all the junk going on in my life. And they're going to go, oh, that's totally cool. That's totally fine. But they weren't going to cast me out either. Instead, they're going to go, let's walk through that. Let's unpack that. Let's see what did the gospel say into those spaces. I felt like I found a true biblical community where I could experience the love and radical transformative power of the way of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. It meant everything to me. I found a safe place. I know for many of you, that is also your story. That you came into this campus You came into this environment and you discovered hopefully a safe place, whether this is your first time or you've been here for years, that you found a safe place to to be known and to know others, to discover the way of Jesus together, to enter into spaces of discipleship, to listen to the preaching God word in a way that is bringing the truth of the text, but through the reality of broken human beings that are conveying the message. Now, Hopefully that's your story. But tonight, I don't want to talk about just our story. I want to talk about the story of all those who are not a part of a gospel community, a biblical community. 
I'm talking about the other individuals who work in different workspaces at Walt Disney World, who live in different neighborhoods than you, who live in under-resourced, impoverished areas of Central Florida and Orlando. I'm talking about places around the globe where there might be church buildings, but there aren't biblical communities. I'm talking about those places, those people, those individuals who need to discover that they have been adopted into the forever family of God and be radically transformed by that new identity that is set in stone through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Those are the people that I want us to think about tonight because what can happen so easily is we can focus so much on, on when we think of the church, on what am I getting out of it? Is the worship the kind of music I like? Is the preaching, is it, is it hitting that, that feels button in me? Or are we thinking, how do I get involved in where Jesus is already moving? What he is up to, because you know what I do know about the way of Jesus is it's always uncomfortable. And that's a good thing. You see, we need safe places to belong. And that's why I believe church planning matters. How many of you guys have seen the movie, The Greatest Showman? Yeah, a little bit of that, yeah. So when I, um, so dream with me back pre-COVID, few years before then, the days of Movie Pass. Anybody had Movie Pass out there? Yeah. All right. So I had Movie Pass, and I saw over fifty movies in one year. I was living in Modesto, California. There was nothing to do over there. Uh, so I went to the movies a lot, and I went and saw Greatest Showman like three or four times. I'm pretty sure. And there was a song in that movie that just got me so good. Uh, it's that song that is called. I wrote it down. From now on. You guys know which one I'm talking about? Okay, so let me set the stage. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm not gonna spoil the whole movie for you, but just something that meant something to me. So it's, this, it's the part in the story where the, the guy, P.T. Barnum, who creates Barnum Bailey Circus, he, is, he has risen to absolute fame and success in his field. And then everything came crashing down in his personal and public life all at the same time. And he got distracted and he realized that he got distracted from what, his, what he was doing, what the reason, the purpose for everything he was doing. And he begins to sing the song and he says, for years and years, I chase their cheers, the crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I remember who all this is for. These eyes will not be blinded, be blinded by the light from now on. What waited till tomorrow starts tonight and let the promise in me start like an anthem in my heart from now on. And who he's talking to is actually who meant something to me because who he's talking to is the individuals who were labeled freaks and social outcasts in the world that he lived in. They had come into the circus and found a safe place to belong. And when his world came crashing down, their world came crashing down. But now he is saying, I'm coming back and we're gonna get back to why we do this thing in the first place. And they begin to sing in chorus. They sing, and we will come back home, come back home, home again. And like, when I heard that song, I was just like so moved because what it reminded me of is the reason why the church exists to display the manifold wisdom of God, to glorify Jesus by creating Jesus communities that are safe places for people to experience that. But so often that's not the experience. And people find safe places all over, right? At Disney World, cast members find safe places there. The circus. (laughs) But if you can find it in... Disney World, if you can find it in political parties or action committees, how much more so should people be able to find safe places in the family of God? 
That's why church planning matters. Now you might think, well, but shouldn't that mean that we should do something about already existing churches to help those churches reach those people? And the answer is yes. Yes, and. It's both, not either or. This is why um, one uh, author, pastor, theologian, and my personal favorite person on social media, uh, Tim Keller, he wrote um, an article previously about, about church planting. And he said, the vigorous continual planting of new churches is a single most crucial strategy for expanding the reach of the kingdom of God and revitalizing already existing churches to reach the lost. And what he meant by that is that we should sharpen each other New churches should learn from what churches of the past have done. And churches of the past should learn by the creativity that new churches are able to execute in. See, new churches aren't encumbered by the same um, traditions and, and norms that had been created in churches. This is why the average church plant across denominations usually is filled with 60 to 80% people who have never called a church their home previously. That matters. Context Church that's 10 year olds and up, 10 year old and up, same survey, revealed that a church that's 10 year old and up is usually made of 80 to 90% people who already um, were a part of a different church and just transferred in. Both are important, but the question is where's our focus? What are we going to do to sharpen one another? And how do we enter into this? And if you're like, these are all the reasons why church planning matters to me. And if you were looking for another reason for why church planning matters, your evidence, you being here tonight, you being a part of Mosaic, or even just checking this, this place out, this community out, is a reason. Because see, Mosaic Church was planted to impact the culture and the society of this area and the world. And then we took that DNA and planted the Walt Disney World campus of Mosaic Church about nine years ago so that we could reach Walt Disney World cast members with the gospel. That we could create a safe place for people to belong and to connect, to begin to discover what does it mean to be discipled and to follow the way of Jesus. You are the reason why we do this. We are the reason why we must continue. Now, those are the sentiments and some stats. And those are all fine and good. But what really matters is the word of God. So with that in mind, um, I wanted to invite my friend Mel up in just a second because Mosaic enters into spaces of church planning in a number of ways through things like cohorts, but also through something called the church planning residency. That's what I did when I moved here about seven years ago. And it was a two-year residency and it transformed my life in incredible ways and impacted the way that I pastor and live my life. And Mello is uh, the newest church planning resident who is being prepared right now to be sent out to go and to plant a church in Apopka, Florida this upcoming year with his wife, Nicole. And they, are, um, and they have brought a vision and a passion for reaching this place that they're being called into. So we thought, who better to speak both at the Winter Garden campus this morning and here at the Disney campus tonight about the truth of God's word and how all of this is reflected of God's heart than Mello. So would you guys all give a big round of applause as Mello comes on up? All right, all right. Well, thank you for the great uh, welcome. We're doing okay today? All right. Are we doing okay today? It was kind of like, woo um, Well, good morning. Well, I'm saying good morning. I'm thinking about this morning. Man, good evening, guys. Uh, my name is Melo Saval. I've been a church planner resident here now 
about to finish wrapping up, and um, I also serve on the discipleship team at the um, Winter Garden campus. And man, I'm just excited to be able to be here tonight and preach God's word. Um, I will just kind of cut straight to the mustard. Um, if you are, uh, if you've been a part of Mosaic for some time now, um, then this is actually a very unlikely moment. I mean, the fact that I'm on this stage, I'm actually pretty surprised. Um, and the reason why I'm saying that is because um, if you've been a part of Mosaic for some time, you would recognize that not many people who look like me have been preaching from the stage on Sunday morning. Uh, to be a little bit more specific, um, the reason why I'm actually able to stand here and preach to you today is because after long, long hours of talking to Danny and Renault and the leadership team and the elders at Mosaic, they finally decided to lower the height requirement to preach at Mosaic. So give it up for God here. If you're short like me, look at the person next to you and say, short people can preach too. That was a joke, by the way. That did not happen. Uh, But for our time together, I'd like to kind of take us on a very quick journey, really just serving a few passages in the Old Testament and New Testament that's just going to serve as a reminder to us that the mission that we're engaged in as a church, whether it's local or global mission, serving the poor, uh, whether it's adoption and foster care or church planting, none of these things are our own ideas. It's not just a set of things that the leadership team at Mosaic sat down in a, in a, in a meeting and said, all right, what are some cool things we can do to, so that we can feel legitimate as a church? The mission that we're engaged in, in uh, that we're engaged in as a church is the very reason why the church exists. Mission is our opportunity to participate and join in with God in the fulfillment of the great work of redemption that Christ is working out in the story of humanity. So mission is not our idea. It's, the, it's God's design for his people. So I only have one point today, and I'm not your hair. The, the point is this. Multiplication is and has always been part of God's eternal purpose and plan for the church. Another thing I want to just remind us um, in, and I'm going to actually pray and get started with our time, is simply this. As you're hearing God's word, if you're feeling any sense of agreement and you're feeling like you just want to shout amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, raise your hand, that's okay. You won't distract me. Feel free to be yourself. Um, And on that note, let me go ahead and pray really quickly here, and uh, we'll get started um, in our time together. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much just again for the opportunity to um, preach your word. And Father, we know that um, it's not about a stage, Father, but the very fact that we can um, be ambassadors and carry your word to others is is an incredible privilege. Um, Any believer that gets to um, share the gospel, share the good news, to articulate your word, Father, um, has an incredible privilege from you as a, ch- as a child of God uh, to, to, to bring light to our communities, Father. And so I just pray that in this moment, you would open up our hearts, illuminate our, our minds to receive your word, and that it would uh, stir up new ideas in our, in our hearts that will uh, push us forward in um, just uh, living life on mission for the sake of your glory and the good of humanity. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody in the church says, amen. Uh, Go ahead and grab your Bibles and and meet me in Genesis chapter 1. 
And as you're kind of making your way there, it doesn't take, it's, it's uh, actually very quick to get there. It's the first few pages. Um, I'm, I'm just reminded of the first time uh, that, I, I, that I've actually been to, to Disney as a kid. And I'm not just saying that because I'm at the Disney campus. I'm saying I, I want to talk about that moment. Um, so so we're, we're living in South Florida. Um, my aunt uh, decides, hey, um, I want to take you guys on a trip. Uh, it's me and my younger sister, right? And um, she's, she won't tell us where she's going, uh, where she's taking us. Um, we end up having to wake up around 3 o'clock in the morning because, again, that drive is a very long drive. And we're doing the classical, you know, you're, you're sleeping all, the whole way through. And then and you, you wake up, you're looking, are we there yet? No, go, to back to, go back to sleep. Okay, you go back to sleep. And then after a while, you start looking and you're like, okay, I, th- I think I just saw a Mickey Mouse thing. symbol. No, 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 you go back to sleep again. And, and then eventually, after you see it three or four times, you start, you know, you start wondering, okay, I think I know where we're going here. And so I look at my sister, she looks at me, and we kind of give each other that look, and we're like, we're going to Disney World! We're going to Disney World! And so we're, we're crazy excited, right? And so we had, a, we had an incredible time. We're, we're, we're sitting there. Our mind is blown with all the incredible things, as you guys know, that, that a, a young 10-year-old, 9-year-old kid uh, gets to do. But it's amazing how uh, uh, something as simple as an image can reveal whose domain you're stepping into. In the car, I knew we were uh, stepping into uh, uh, Mickey Mouse territory, and and it's really no different with how God chooses to mark his territory with the earth. If you look at verse 26 of chapter 1, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. Now, it's important for us to remember that out of all the creatures that God created, humans are the only ones with the incredible privilege of bearing the likeness of God. You take a look at verse 28, and then we see God declaring what scholars call the creation mandate, and it's also called the, uh, the, or known as the, the cultural mandate. Verse 28 says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so since we bear the image of God, We are also the only creatures that are suitable to fulfill the responsibilities of ruling over the fish of the sea and having dominion over the whole earth. So so a quick pop quiz, what are they supposed to fill the earth with? Themselves, that's right. And God repeats the same command to Noah after the flood. Now, if you know the story of the flood, you remember that the children of Adam and Eve, I mean, Adam and Eve began to populate the earth. And, and people, because of their sin, they, they grew more and more disobedient to God. And the Bible even says that the wickedness of man was so bad in the earth that every intention of the, of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. So God decided to flood the earth in an act of judgment. But God's grace also preserved the lives of eight people and we know them as Noah and his family. And so when the waters settle and the, uh, the dry ground appears, um, they get out of the boat and God blesses them and gives them the creation mandate to be fruitful and to multiply 
and to fill the earth. And they actually do this. They actually begin to multiply and fill the earth up again. And at some point, though, somewhere down the line in the story of uh, in the human story, um, something strange begins to happen. The people at that time, although they were certainly multiplying, they're growing, they're filling the earth, but they weren't spreading. Instead, they were actually clustering together. And this is where we, 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 we come to the story of the Tower of Babel. Um, the scriptures say that they, they all had one language. And, and in verse uh, 4 of chapter 11 says, they, they came together and said, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. And watch this. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And that's very interesting because what we just read, God said to be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. But they want to build a a, a tower reaching the heavens so that they won't have to be dispersed and, and and be spread out over the face of the earth. Friends, I want to just remind us tonight that when dispersing begins to feel wrong, comfort might just be an idol for us. Instead of going out, they were going up. Instead of multiplying and filling the earth, they were filled with pride and wanted to make a name for themselves. And this is kind of just a side note, but it's actually very intentional when you keep reading. It said that the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. The interesting thing is that, man, As they're trying to make a name for themselves, they're building a tower to reach the heavens, and God still has to come down to see what's going on. Just as a reminder, there's a name that is above every name. That name is Jesus, and he's either already or will give you a new name like son or daughter if you put your faith and trust in him. And when you do... You don't need to worry about trying to make a name for yourself because he already knows your name. And you can be freed from such a weighty burden to go through life carrying. But these guys didn't want to disperse. And we don't want to be like them. We we want to be more like Isaiah. We want to have Isaiah's heart when he says, "Uh, Lord, here am I, send me. May we have that heart. Now, another thing we need to understand is that multiplication is not just about making babies. Hugh uh, Wetchel, I don't even know if I'm saying his last name right, but he's the executive director of the Institute for Faith, Work, and Economics. And he says this about the creation mandate. The first phrase, be fruitful and multiply, means to develop the social world, build families, churches, schools, cities, governments, laws. The second phrase, subdue the earth, um, means to harness the natural world, plant crops, build bridges, design computers, and even compose music. This passage is sometimes called the cultural mandate because it tells us that part of our original purpose was to create cultures and build civilizations. Now, I do think that this is actually very helpful for us to know. But, but I think it's important, uh, although it's important for humanity to do all those things I just mentioned, um, just simply doing those things is not the point. There's a very intentional reason 
why God wants his people to fill the earth. And we see a glimpse of this in Habakkuk. Um, just as a side note, the last time I opened up Habakkuk, a moth flew out of there. It's just like, it's one of those spaces where you just, you don't really spend that much time there. But I was in a Habakkuk. And look what verse 14 says of chapter 2. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The primary point in doing the things that we mentioned earlier is about who we're pointing to when we do them. So the point is so that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So like a, like a king whose statues or his image would mark the territory or kingdom of God or, or, or his kingdom, our king, our creator, wants his image to fill the earth and therefore reflect his glory to all creation. And so to be an image bearer is an incredible, incredible, incredible stewardship. And don't forget the one point we have in this message today, that multiplication is and has always been part of God's eternal purpose and plan for the church. And so we know that Adam and Eve, we know their story. In a moment of, of selfishness and pride, they, they began to stop seeing God as the good God who withholds no good from them. And they were deceived into thinking that God's protection from the, the tree of knowledge and of good and evil uh, was really God withholding good from them. And so they disobeyed God. And, um, and then sin entered into the human story. Uh, but Christians, because of, the, because of Christ's redemptive work in our lives, we now stand in the same place as Adam and Eve before the fall. And now we can approach the world with a clearer understanding of God's mandate. We're now called to begin to exercise appropriate stewardship again as stewards of the gospel. But listen to this. Even though men and women were unfaithful to God and sinned, God's plan for multiplication and his plan for men and women made in his image to, to go out and reflect his glory continues throughout the entire story of humanity because God's glory will not be stopped. A, a theologian named Abraham Kuyper says this, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not declare mine. And we see this play out even in the stories of the first followers of Jesus. As Christ reinforces the, uh, the creation mandate in a new mandate, he calls it, uh, we call it the Great Commission. You can actually turn there, Matthew 28. I know that this is a very familiar text for most of us. But I, I don't want us to miss some profound things that are happening here. Look at verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. And so what we're seeing here is as God commanded Adam and Eve. And as he commanded Noah and his family to be fruitful and to multiply, Jesus commands his disciples to be fruitful and to multiply. Church, when we accepted Jesus, we accepted a call to mission, 
to God's mission of multiplication. And then reminded again of the one point that we have for our text, that multiplication is and has always been part of God's eternal purpose and plan for the church. This is why we've been, we've been wanting to, uh, to really highlight and emphasize living every moment by Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus, because that's the only way we're going to go and invade the dark uh, and unredeemed spaces of our world with the light of Christ. How do we bring light to the unredeemed place, uh, spaces? Well, well, we certainly don't just do it on our own. God's plan A is through the church. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, and, and, uh, and Danny mentioned, uh, mentioned this text earlier, but chapter 3, verse 7, we're going to kind of see the whole scope of, of Paul's view of his responsibility as a steward of the gospel. Verse 7, Paul says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to, God's, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Multiplication is and has always been part of God's eternal purpose and plan for the church. But again, the enemy does not want this plan to succeed. Now, I don't know about you guys uh, and how you guys grew up, but I can still remember the apartments that I was living in where we had a major roach problem. Uh, it seems like every single space in our house was invaded by roaches. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, we would go into the kitchen, you flick the lights on, and these guys are literally playing cards and drinking coffee and inviting you to join in. There's no respect. They don't even scatter as much as, you know, some might do in other days. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how bold these roaches are. And, and so my sister and I, the same one that we were screaming, oh, God, it doesn't work. So we were in the kitchen, and every time we turned the lights on, um, you know, she would grab a sandal. I might grab a shoe, you know, and, and, and we'd just count down, like, all right, I'm going to turn. You can take that side. I'll take this side. And one, two, three. Ah, I would start smashing stuff. And over time, you know, there, there, you know, some seasons we might have, like, might feel like, I think we... I think we might have got them because we actually, I mean, we, we haven't exterminated them completely, but we'd go for a good few days without seeing any roaches in the house. But it really felt like no matter what we did, we really could not terminate those jokers. The, the truth is that it's actually the same with the church. To the enemy, we're just a bunch of roaches. Let me tell you what I mean. Look at Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 1 here. Uh, Stephen just finished getting stoned, and, and there, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, and he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered, watch this now, they went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of, uh, of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. You see, the enemy, though he sees us like a bunch of roaches, there's really nothing that he can do to stop the church. No matter what Satan tries to do to destroy us, regardless of whatever kind of uh, instrument of destruction um, to, that he wants to use against the church, whether that's discouragement or accusations or temptations or frustrations, confusion, pandemics, persecution, and even execution, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I'm pretty sure heaven is probably a lot more comfortable than this life. I, that's just a guess. I'm assuming heaven is probably a little bit more comfortable here in this, uh, than this world. But, but you see, we serve a missional God. And since there's no way for us to have peace with God without faith in Jesus, Jesus didn't just stay in his heavenly throne. He stepped down into darkness. And the scripture says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And before his ascension, right before giving the disciples the Great Commission, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus has sent us. And he sends us his spirit as well. And, and we need his spirit. Because family, if our missional Lord and Savior didn't send the Holy Spirit, then the Great Commission would simply be mission impossible for us. And this is why it's important for us to abide in Jesus in every moment. It doesn't matter how much the enemy tries to minimize us. God will multiply us and Jesus will always be with us. Yet again, the enemy's greatest strategy to keep us from multiplying is comfort. Now, now most of us may not really like change. And by the way, that's not actually a bad thing. Uh, I'm not saying that it's a, like it's a negative thing. You don't have to like change. It's okay to like a little bit of stability, right? A little bit of rhythm in life, a little bit of consistency. Nothing wrong with that. For me, I, I like change, and I'm not even saying that as if it's better than not liking change. I, I just get bored very easily. That's, that's the real problem, right? I just get distracted very easily. I'm ready to do a, a whole new thing. So there's nothing wrong with not liking change, but but. Once, once if, if our not liking change means that we live a life um, that, that looks nothing like a life on mission, there's a problem. Because there's a difference between wanting stability and rhythm in life and completely not living life on mission. You remember the story of the Tower of Babel that we talked about earlier? The enemy will try to convince us that we don't want to multiply or that it's not good for us to disperse. But I, but I love the fact that we're a part of a church that consistently disrupts our own comfort and convenience to engage our city and our world through local and global missions. And, and you should know that um, Mosaic, really, the, the support we have as a church plant uh, from Mosaic is actually pretty incredible. What I mean by that is I, I know other church planters 
you know, once you're in this church planting space, all of your friends kind of start to become church planters. There are a lot of folks are doing the same thing, right, in different spaces. And what's interesting is that their, their mind is blown when I tell them the level of support. And I'm just saying the encouragement, the, the, the freeness that we have to, 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 to really cast vision and, and do all the things that we're doing for this space to be a, a safe space for us to, to freely encourage folks to consider doing, uh, uh, joining us in, in all these kind of things. Other church planners are like, wow, your church, your church does that? Even to the point, like even a, even a campus pastor at another church, he's not even allowed to let people know he's planting one day. And so I love the fact we're a part of a church that cares deeply about local and global missions in this way. Uh, because God sees it as a beautiful thing when we step outside of our comfort zone and join him on his mission. And speaking of uncomfortable, last week was my wife's birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a very, yes, yes, yes. It was her birthday, so, you know, we had to, you know, I had to, you know, do the right thing and make sure she had a special day. You know, I planned some things. Well, actually, I didn't plan anything out. She decided, I want to do everything that I want to do, and you're just going to tag along. That's exactly how that happened. So we did a couple of things. We, 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 um, we went to uh, get a massage. I didn't get one. She got one, and I kind of sat back, drank coffee as she got a massage. And then we went to a coffee shop downtown, and we're talking and, and dreaming together and, and, and just having some really cool conversations. And then she likes to eat sushi. I don't like sushi, but she likes sushi. So we went to a sushi spot, and, and that was great. And then, this is a, a, a safe space, right? Is this a judge-free zone? Uh, is it a judge-free zone here? I mean, I just... Okay. I'm a little nervous about saying it, but I'll say it. We got pedicures. You know, I had, I had a, you know, a couple of cucumber orange smells happening. I, I, you know, I don't even, this is my first time having someone mess around with my feet, okay? Um, but it's very interesting how much attention we show our feet. Uh, there's people that, that's getting nail polish and colors and different designs and a diamond stuck on the their, their food. And, and here, here, here's the thing. Even guys, I mean, we spend money on certain shoes. People spend a, a, a pay a lot of attention to their feet. And, and really, there's nothing wrong with that. Take care of your feet. But it's important for us to understand something, that in the kingdom of God, it really actually doesn't matter what your feet look like. Here's, here's what I mean. I know that's like, wait, what? Wait, what? What? Romans chapter 10, verse 12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Church, I want to encourage us today that even if your feet look like mine with bunions, cunions, and funions, in the kingdom of God, it's not about what your feet look like, but what your feet are doing. Actually, the more appropriate thing to say is, or a question to ask is, where are your feet going and what are your feet bringing? 
We, us, we're bringing the gospel. We're bringing the good news of the gospel, which means that we are actually sharing it with others because we can't just keep the good news to ourselves. So, so here's a bit of just, just some simple encouragement. Whatever you're good at, do it well for the glory of God. And, and do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Uh, start to look at your careers. And, and I know many of us are already doing that. And, and, and even during this time, it's just a very strange and difficult and weird time for, for many, many people. But whatever God has given our hands to do, start to see these things as vehicles of gospel proclamation and gospel demonstration. Disciples of Jesus, as they're following him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, were always a sent people, always going, always multiplying, because multiplication is and has always been part of God's eternal purpose and plan for the church. And so whatever specific role that God is calling you to play for the advancement of his kingdom is really between you and the Lord as you navigate these kind of conversations with your leaders and the people that know you and care about you in your community. It's really between you and the Lord. However, our hope at Mosaic is that every single person that calls Mosaic home is passionately playing their role in the mission of God to fill the earth with, the glory, with his glory as the waters cover the seas. You don't need to wait for a special moment where you'll hear the audible voice of God roaring out of a burning bush. God has already used his voice to give you a verse. That verses go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The question is not if God has called you to mission. The question is only where and how. The most basic component of Christian discipleship is that every follower of Jesus is called to leverage his or her life for the Great Commission. And so maybe one of those things that begin to stir up in your mind right now is is how God might use you in supporting or or, or joining a church plan. If, If that's you, I might know a guy. But whatever God is calling you to and whatever or wherever that space may be, we are called and invited to go and make disciples, to be fruitful and to multiply so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so what what will this look like? Like, 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 okay, we we just talked about a, a bunch of different things here, but what? What does it actually look like for the glory of the Lord, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to 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 um, fill the earth as the waters cover the sea? As you sit down in your your back porch or in your your front porch and, and maybe it's nighttime or the sun is about to come up and you grab a cup of coffee and you're sitting down and you're just going to daydream for a little bit and you're daydreaming about what it could look like. For the glory of the Lord to fill the earth as the waters cover the seas. Maybe Revelation is a glimpse of what that's going to look like. Revelation chapter 7. You can turn over there with me. I'm going to read it here and close. After this, I look and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation 
from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on a throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Because the point, the one point I had, and I was going to get out of your hair, is that multiplication is and has always been part of God's eternal purpose and plan for the church. And and we should consider it an incredible privilege that we get to step into the story of God's redemptive work in humanity and to glorify him, to be beautiful reflectors of his glory as image bearers of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, uh, Lord, your your word uh, that you have not... um, left us as sheep without a shepherd, uh, but you've given us your spirit, Father. And so, God, um, may whatever context we find ourselves in, whatever situations we find ourselves in, uh, that you can always make it clear to us uh, that you would embolden us to step into um, mission, the mission that you have purposed for us as a church so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and principalities of this world. Father, we want to Fill the earth with your glory as the waters cover the season. Would you use us for that purpose? In Jesus' name, amen.